in my series of messages on sin. Now, the reason I say that is because, um, not because I want to be negative or because I want to, you know, remind us of how terrible we are. We all know that. (laughs) Um, But I want to encourage us because we walk the face of this earth and um, we all fall into things that we're wishing we wouldn't fall into. And we, we, we want to learn what do I do and how do I handle it? Um, I had I had that experience last August, where um, I invented a new sin, um, if that's possible. But I, I I think I invented a new sin. It's called lawn rage. Um, I live in a neighborhood where our my, our neighbors are very diligent about their grass, and uh, everyone has got these perfect lawns. It's just perfect. And so Faye and I thought, well, we want to fit into our neighborhood, so we do everything we can for our lawn to be as perfect as it can. Well, I don't know why our lawn was singled out, but we got crabgrass in our lawn. You know what crabgrass is? The clumps of grass that kind of messes up the perfect, you know, lawn. And, uh, you know, all summer I would sit on my lawn tract and I would mow the lawn and I would be reminded of this insidious crabgrass. And it started to, it started to get to me. And, and I talked to my neighbors and they said, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you just got to, you know, and I thought to myself, well, I'm going to try to do something about it. And uh, I got angrier and angrier and angrier at that crabgrass. So one, one day in August, I cracked. And I went into the garage, and I got my Roundup. And in a fit of rage, I went around my yard, and every bit of crabgrass I saw, I sprayed Roundup on it. Now, we've got a pretty big yard, like half an acre. And so I, uh, I rounded up like the, the size of our whole worship center here. Not the whole thing, just the crabgrass. Up and down my driveway, on both sides of my driveway, on both sides of each neighbor. And I thought, there, I gotcha. Well, if you know what Roundup does, it starts out in a little place, and then it kind of spreads, you know. And so in three days, I had this lawn that was full of these big brown spots. I mean, not little brown spots. I mean big round spots so I thought oh boy all right so I went to the um, the rental place and I rented one of these sod removers ever seen those things with the blade and you hold it and then they kick it you know and you pull up so I started kicking up sod in this huge area in my and and I just thought okay now what am I going to do with all the sod so I took my wheelbarrow and I picked up all the sod and put it in a wheelbarrow and started taking it to the back lot line. And my wife says, I don't like that stuff in the back lot line. And I thought, well, that's where I have to put it. And I got about halfway through, and I was totally exhausted. It was August. It was hot. You know, I'm not as young as I used to be. And and uh, I thought, what am I going to do? I mean, I can't get in my neighbors to stop. What happened to your lawn? You know, and I said, well, you know, I, I have to confess to you, I invented a new sin called lawn rage. And they all laughed and we had fun. But I got emails from our neighbors. What happened to your lawn? What happened to your lawn? You know, 
And uh, finally, my dear wife says, Scott, call a landscaper and have the landscaper come and fix this. So I thought, okay. So I called the landscaper. They came back, $1,000. And so they came and they, they put their, their, you know, they got it all up in $1,000 later. And then they put this grass seed on it. But, you know, in the middle of August is not the best time in the world to plant grass. And so I had to go out every day. It took me an hour and a half. I mean, I couldn't just get a sprinkler because it wasn't big enough. I mean, this was a huge area. And so I had to go out an hour and a half and stand with my hose. Um, and do you remember last summer were the mosquitoes bad up here last summer? I mean, the mosquitoes were just incredible. So I was out there. You know, and finally I had to put on long pants, long, sh- cover myself with DEET, and, you know, and stand out there every day for two day, two weeks. And I'm just thinking, man, my little, my little experience with lawn rage, I'm really, and the consequences of my lawn rage just kept going more and more and more and more. Then I had to mow the lawn. Of course, I couldn't mow over the grass seed so I had to take my push mower and go around it took me three times as long to mow my lawn it was just that little that little expression of anger that built up in me caused financial it caused mosquito bites it caused my time it cost my neighbors I was embarrassed you know that's the way it is with sin see And that's why I'm so concerned that we as God's people know and understand the seriousness of sin. But not to be naive and think that we never fall into it because, you know, I I fell into it. And sometimes we fall into sin that's more consequential than grass. And sometimes the consequences are more consequential than money and effort and time. And so it's really important that we get a handle on this issue of sin. And today I want to talk about anger. Um, Now, all of us can fall into anger at one point or another. Um, Anger is something that, that... you know, I mean, I'm, I, I don't think I'm an angry person in general, but boy, that crabgrass got me. <laughs> and, you know, I think all of us possibly might be susceptible to some form of anger. And then when it is expressed, then there are consequences that are far reaching and we regret. So let's talk about anger from a biblical perspective. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 and 31. Give us a definition of anger. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 and 31. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice and so anger is bitterness and rage and anger and then the consequences are brawling slander and every form of malice instead 
Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. The first word translated for anger is bitterness. Uh, This word refers to the slow boil that is not evident to the observer. It's just something that happens. It's the slow boil. Um, It's illustrated in some of the publicized cases of bullying that we see in our culture, whether it be on the job or in our schools or in the home. People get abused and they get mistreated and they take it, but there's a small, there's a slow boil and they become bitter. And eventually that bitterness explodes into the second word for anger, and that's rage. Rage is the pit bull attack that acts out and leaves wounds and carnage behind. It's the violence in school or college or workplace shootings. It's workers who attack their co-workers or supervisors. It's spouses who strike and attack their partners and their children. It's a known fact that the majority of women who go to emergency rooms today are there because their husbands abuse them. They just couldn't take it anymore and they just lashed out in rage. This rage is something that sets off by a spark. And when it happens, look out. It's not always extreme violence. Sometimes it's words. Sometimes it's raising our voice. Sometimes it's taking advantage of an opportunity to get some sort of a reign of a revenge. But bitterness turns to rage. And I think the word order is very interesting. Bitterness starts. Rage is when it erupts. Now, one Bible scholar and teacher reminds us that we are angry about what really matters to us. Um, Something that's important to us Um, we set a goal about that or we want to protect what's important to us. And when there's something that blocks our, our fulfillment on that thing that's important to us, when that is blocked, that's what causes anger. Now, sometimes this is good. Anger can be good. If God and his gospel are important to us, we'll get angry when God and his gospel are trounced. And that's okay. Uh, Jesus was angry, wasn't he, when he cleaned out the temple. Paul says, be angry, but what? Sin not. It suggested that people who never get angry don't care about anything. Sometimes good anger motivates us to do something good. Uh, Back in 1980, Uh, Candy Leitner founded MADD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, MAD. And that's a good thing, because her daughter was killed by a drunk driver. And so there can be righteous anger. There can be good things to get angry about. 
But good anger does not erupt in destructive volcanic uh, um, episodes. And that's when anger is not good. At the roots of not good anger is bitterness and wrath. And when they master us, it erupts. And when what matters to us um, is is blocked, is interrupted, it, when we, we, can't, we can't see the fulfillment of what is important to us, and we erupt and, and we get angry. Bitterness and wrath are anything but good. We call that sinful anger. And so it's this sinful anger that I'm addressing today and I'm offering hope to us whether it be on a small scale like going after crabgrass in your yard or whether it be on a large scale like acting out in the workplace with violence or in the school with violence, there is hope for us if we understand anger and how to overcome it. So to do that, I want to go to the story of Cain in Genesis chapter 3. So if you'll have your Bibles, please open them with me to Genesis chapter 3. And I'd like to look at the first ten verses of Genesis chapter 3 and outline the um, story of Cain and how he fell into anger. And then I'd like to suggest how we can address this type of activity in our lives. Scene 1 of Genesis chapter, chapter 3 is found in verses 1 and 2, which says that Cain and Abel were born to Adam and Eve. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, With the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. So that's the setting. Scene one in a story is always the setting. Um, following their exit from the garden, Adam and Eve established a home and started a family. And these two brothers grew up together. Now, if you know what it's like to grow up in a family with brothers, you know, there probably was some, you know, some conflict between the two. And uh, verses 3 and three to 5 tell us that Cain developed bitterness, which could erupt to rage. Let's look at verses 3 to 5, and we'll find Cain's anger. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions of some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel at his offering, but on Cain his offering did not look he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and look what happened. He was downcast. His face was downcast. So he began to boil. He began to fall into this, oh, I don't know, this is, this is not making me very happy, you know. Cain and Abel brought offerings, but the offering of Abel was accepted, but Cain's was rejected. And so Cain began the slow boil. He became downcast. The first sign of something is wrong is when you get downcast. It's a good thing for us in our homes to look at one another and say, are you okay? Is there something going on here in your life? Are you, are you downcast about something? Is there something going on where you're frustrated? 
Because underneath the surface, anger is like a volcano that can begin to boil. Now, I want to examine Cain's offering and just make a suggestion on why Cain's offering was not accepted. And I think Hebrews chapter 11, verses 4 and 6 tell us. Hebrews 11, 4 says, By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commanded as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. And verse 6, And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek after him. Using a little bit of reasoning from verse 4, Abel offered his offering as a faith offering. But Cain offered his offering as a works offering. It could be very possible that, that Abel offered his offering through faith and his heart was right with God, but Cain was going through the motions. Well, I got to offer an offering to God, so I guess I'll give him some of, my, some of the fruit of my labor. And he just went through the motions and he did not offer by faith. So Cain's heart was not right with God. And Cain could have offered an animal just like Abel. It wouldn't have mattered because his heart wasn't right. He did not offer his offering by faith. And so Cain was beginning to boil and he was beginning to be downcast and he was beginning to get bitter against, against God and against his brother. So we go to scene three. God comes to Cain. Verses six and seven. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you come to me in faith, I'll accept you. But if you do not do what is right, if you just go through the motions, if you try to, to go through works-based righteousness, what does God says? Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. You must rule over it. Where did that anger come from? Well, I would suggest it's likely that Cain's heart towards God was cold. And, and God did a very gracious thing to Cain. And he came to him. He said, Cain, you are falling into anger. Stop your anger and turn from it. Sound familiar? God was offering Cain the opportunity to enter into a life of repentance. Now, here's a clue of discovering the source of anger in our lives. Remember, we get angry about what's really important to us. Here's something to think about. Follow our anger backwards and discover what's really important to us. Cain's heart was cold towards God. It was warm towards himself. And when God came to him, he said, God, Cain, there's something more important in your life than me. Follow your anger back 
and then turn from it because I am the most important thing in your life. And when, when we fall into anger, if we're, if we're walking with God and all of us fall into anger, and we think, okay, now I'm starting to get angry about something, follow it back, work backwards. What is it in my life that, that, that I'm being frustrated about? What is so important to me that is not happening in my life that I'm beginning to get angry about it? Where, where is this anger coming from? What, what is the source? Walk back when you're angry. Now, when my mom first entered into the nursing home, we had to go and get some of her CDs cashed so we could begin to pay the bills for nursing home. And those of you who know nursing homes, you know, they require quite a lot of money. And so uh, I went to the lawyer and I got power of attorney, uh, which, you know, I went through and got my mom to sign it off. And then my wife and I took a trip with two and a half hours down to Illinois to her bank where she had her money. And we were going to go into her safety deposit box and get her CDs so that we could cash them in and put them in a new checking account so that we could begin to pay my mom's rent at the assisted living home. So we traveled down two and a half hours, and we walked into the bank, and I pranced right up to, I want to see a personal banker. You know, and I was, boy, I, I really had a handle on this. I want to see a personal banker. So we saw, I said, I'm the power of attorney of Doris Roberts, and I, I want to get in her safety deposit bank. And she looked at me, and she just smiled. And she said, well, um, is your mother here with you? And I said, no, I'm her power of attorney. And she said, uh, do you have a key? I said, well, what do I need a key for? It's in your bank. You have a key. You open it up for me. And she said, well, sir, she said, we, we only have one key. It requires two. And you have to have the other key. And I thought, well, that's a crazy system. I said, here I am. I took all this time to get my power of attorney and to take time out of my day to come down here. And I'm walking in here. And by the way, the customer's always right, right? And she said, sir, I'm really sorry, but I can't, you know, can't do it. And so we got in the car and started driving back to Wisconsin. And my wife says, you're pretty quiet. <laughs> And I had just learned this concept of walking back, and so she helped me. My wife is always right. She helped me walk back, and I, and I realized that, that I was angry because um, my time was not being respected. And, of course, I'm very important, and, you know, I need my time respected. And, uh, and you know, I... That, that banker did not treat me as the customer, and of course I'm, you know, I'm always right. And, uh, you know, I didn't have the key, by the way. That's my own responsibility. But she helped me walk back through, and I just realized that, you know, the reason I'm angry is because this has now become about me, not about helping my mom get her affairs in order so we can pay for her assisted living. See how easy it is for us to fall into anger? And when that happens, walk backwards. 
because what happens to us is when we walk backwards, we find out what's really important to us. And if you're a believer, you know what's the most important thing to us? Here's a principle. Anger raises its ugly head when something is more important to us than the sovereign will of God in our circumstance. We sang about the sovereignty of God today. Perfect song for today's message. For example, we falsely think that our reputation is the most important thing to us. And so when something happens that tramples our reputation, what happens? We begin to get angry. Um, This happens with parents and children. When parents misbehave, what do parents think? Well, you're, you're, you're causing me to look like I'm a bad parent. And we get angry at our kids, right? Or the parents are offended because they're not being respected. And they're personally offended by their children's behavior. This is one of the sources of anger at children's sporting events. Oh, how we live our lives through our children. <laughs> and when our children fail, boy, oh boy, that, you know... You know, my reputation is on that basketball court, that soccer field. And when the ref doesn't call it, boy, that's follow it back. And what are we finding out? We're finding out that I'm just full of myself. Um, Happens with husbands and wives. Men might abuse their wives because they feel that their respect and their significance is not being upheld. Our possessions become the most important thing to us. And so when someone else uh, bumps into our car, we get into a car accident, that's my car! And it becomes more important to us than what God allowed to happen to teach us a lesson. Success is most important to us. When something happens that makes us look like we're not successful, we're angry. You see how easy it is for us? Our responsibility is to identify what the source of our anger is and then turn from it. God came to Cain graciously saying, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. You must master it. Turn from it. But Cain did not turn from his anger. Scene 4, verse 8 in Genesis 3. Now Cain said to his brother, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. If left unaddressed, anger erupts in rage. Well, I would like to suggest to you that God graciously comes to us as well and says, Believer, turn from your anger. And steps two and three of repentance is present ourselves to God and then move in the opposite direction. So let's look at 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 to 16. This is what it says. For this is a message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brethren, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. 
Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. This is what the text says. If we turn from anger and present ourselves to God and begin nurturing a life of love, we will derail and break the chains of anger. But it's not quite that simple. Look at verse 16. The key to breaking the chains of anger is found in verse 16. Jesus laid down his life for us. Greater love has no one than this. Than what? He laid down his life for his brother. See, that's why I'm so concerned and I'm excited about the Easter season that we can understand uh, exactly what happened at the cross and how Jesus laid down his life for us. And gave us an example when he said, if you would follow after me, you must deny yourself and pick up your cross, lay down your life, and follow me. John is describing love that sacrifices for others. And then John says, now, just as Jesus sacrificed, you sacrifice for your brothers. So if you go back... Follow your anger, find sin, turn from it, present yourself to God, and then realize, how can I lay down my life in this situation? That will then tell us, because Jesus laid down his life, we can lay down our anger. On the cross, Jesus laid down his life and said, It is finished, didn't he? And when he rose from the dead, he came to live in us. And so he fills us with his love, and instead of anger, we can begin to lovingly lay down our lives. First of all, before him, and then secondly, for others. That is a life of repentance. It's something we do over and over and over and over again. And why can we do it over and over and over again? Because Romans chapter 6 verse 14 says, We're no longer under law that beats us up when we fail. We are under grace, which says, Come to me. Come to me. Turn from your sin. Present yourself to me, and I will empower you to move in the other direction and live a life pleasing to me. I'm fairly certain that every one of us has been confronted with the sin of anger sometime in our lives. Maybe someone right now is struggling with anger. Follow it back. Find its source and turn from it. Present yourself to God and turn and give yourself to a self-sacrificial life, first before God and then for others. Well, let's see what happened to Cain. The last scene of Cain's life, Genesis 3, verse 5, verses 9 to 11. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where's your brother Abel? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? 
And the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And Cain refused, refused to turn from his anger and his bitterness and his cold heart towards God. I wonder what the rest of his life was like. Probably held him in the chains of anger for the rest of his days. But it doesn't have to be so with you and me, brethren. Let me leave us with what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave. Let's bow in prayer for a moment. And let me ask you today. Uh, maybe you're here today and you're, you're remembering an occasion where you lost your temper and you just, you just flew off the handle. And that happens. Follow it back and find out what is it that was so important to me that I... I had to compensate and protect it. And if God gives you the grace to identify that, give that over to him right now. Say, God, my possessions are not worth it anymore. The appearance of being a perfect parent is not worth it anymore. The appearance of being important to my coworkers, to my neighbors, it's not worth it anymore. I give that to you and I lay down my life before you 